Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello, welcome to Colonel's episode 5. I'm Christopher Hooten, I'm here at Independent HQ. Well, I don't know why I said HQ, it makes it sound sound like some kind of weird, nefarious conglomerate. In here, in a studio in the Independent offices is probably, that's more accurate. Today I want to talk about um, how we're going to be watching films and TV um, in the future, or maybe where is probably another way of putting it. Um, I mean, you're probably listening to this on a phone right now, so you're probably pretty used to just streaming stuff on your phone and on tablets and various different devices, and that's just the experience now. And that's obviously nothing new. That's been the case for, you know, quite a few years now, but um, industry's always slow to cotton onto these things, and it was only... I think the week before last, it came out the six of the biggest studios, so Warner Brothers, Fox, Universal, Lionsgate, Paramount and Sony, are all now negotiating deals to try and get films out on VOD more more quickly, so you're not waiting, waiting out around longer for it to come out in, in cinemas. So I'll read you this from the story we published on it. Aware of the demand among some consumers to watch new films for the first time on VOD rather than in cinemas, six of the seven biggest studios are closing in on deals to drastically shorten the time between theatrical and digital release. The plan is that viewers would pay more to catch films at home early, with some of the extra revenue being passed on to exhibitors, i.e. cinemas, to compensate for the drop in cinema attendance. Standard practice is that films are available to rent and buy 90 days after release, but an initial proposal from Warner Brothers CEO Kevin Sujihara would have them drop after just 17 days. Fox and Universal apparently felt that his suggested $50 price for this was too steep, and the studios are now negotiating a compromise between length of delay after cinema release and price. So that's where they're at at the moment. Obviously pretty embryonic negotiations if they think that you can <laughs> charge someone $50 to go to the cinema when whatever the privileges are that go along with that. And really it only feels like a half measure. It's, it's something that's definitely going to happen, but... I think ultimately it's got to be even shorter than, than 17 days, you know. Why Why 17 days? Why not just a week? Or why not just put it out in cinemas and on VOD at the same time? And I think that's probably where we're headed. As far as film goes, so much is made about the, the cinema experience these days. Um, Sofia Coppola, Christopher Nolan were talking about it recently. They were saying that they only wanted people to see their films um, in cinemas. They weren't even going to think about a VOD release strategy. And it's, it's kind of this idea that like if you're a true cinephile you must want to see it in a cinema and as much as I love film I don't think I I subscribe to that necessarily like the idea goes that you know when you're in the cinema the the the, the film's not going to wait for you it just plays whatever and you're kind of very absorbed by it and don't have any distractions and you've got all these people around you and obviously the audio visual is going to be a lot better than what you know you're streaming on a tube train or something and there's there is some like of course validity in that, but at the same time I don't think you always need that experience. I mean I've never left a cinema thinking you know oh, I should have just watched that at home. I'm nearly always glad that I've gone to the cinema, but but at the same time you know like 
films this year that I've really liked, like, say, Patterson, or last year, sorry, Patterson, L. you know, they, they're all great films that if I'd watched it on an iPad with headphones on in my room, I think I still would have got just as much out of it and still like them just as much. So I guess where we're probably headed with all this is that one day it will, everything will just be out on VOD in your home and at cinemas, and going to the cinema is simply going to be like a, kind of like an artisanal, <laughs> pursuit really so if you really want to get the full experience or you just feel like getting out of the house and doing something oh let's go and catch the theatrical release rather than the home one which is going to be interesting because obviously that will favor the kind of event movies so we said six out of seven um major studios are involved there the reason that disney wasn't is because they don't really have that much to gain from it because Disney films, i.e., you know, including Star Wars and everything, um, generally lend themselves quite well to the theatre anyway. And that's not to say that, you know, more dramatic films about everyday life as opposed to space explosion politics aren't also, aren't also capable of being cinematic um, and don't benefit from that environment. But yeah, I think, I think ultimately it'll be about going to the cinema just to get that little bit extra. The price of that little bit extra won't be $50, that's insane. But it'll be something, you know, nice and cultured that you do, like going to see, going to the theatre. So maybe the way we consume film will be fairly straightforward. The business behind it is going to take a lot of thrashing out. So film seems like it will be fairly straightforward um, in terms of how it will work itself out, at least from like a user experience. I don't know how the, the business decisions behind it are all going to fall into place, but I can kind of see how it might look to um, consume a film in, you know, five years, ten years. TV's a little bit more difficult to gauge. It seems like we're going the way of traditional broad, broadcast TV going out the window. I mean, I don't. I, I watch a lot of TV, I watch a lot of film. I so rarely switch on the TV anymore and just scroll through channels with never anything I want to watch on them. Um, just because there's some, you know, there's so much selection out there now on VOD. So I, th- I think it's probably, you know, that whole thing of slotting a piece of scripted drama or comedy at 9 p.m. just just won't really. There's no real need for that to happen anymore, and I think that will slide and slide. Um, but obviously the constants are live TV, so you'll end up having your live feeds and then your massive database of streaming content that you can watch whenever you like. But this is not to say that that's a, a perfect scenario and something won't be lost. There's definitely a lot to be said for the kind of collective conversation that you have around TV shows. And also the the serendipity of it, you know, like there's something nice about coming in like drunk at 1am and ending up watching curling for three hours or some really bizarre documentary just completely by chance and getting drawn into it that's a really nice experience and I do think we're probably going to lose that so kind of the Netflix model of you know this binge viewing thing and dropping everything dropping all episodes of a season at once I I do think it has its limitations like um in, in some senses it's great like if I'm watching something like House of Cards I really enjoy being able to hit them back to back and, and still feel really like clued up on what's happening each episode because I literally just watched the that the last one and kind of going into a hole for a few hours and that's really nice but then the the kind of the downside to that is a I mean it all feels so kind of disposable after a while because you've nailed it all so fast um you don't appreciate each episode I don't think as much and also there's just no conversation in between each episode which I th- I think is a shame I think there's some shows where it makes sense to run them all back to back because and all in one go sorry because either there's you know it's not a major cliffhangery type thing for everyone to discuss or it's not a Westworld type thing where there's so much information that 
it needs to be picked over week by week. But then there are some shows that I think really do benefit from it. I think the the weirdest decision recently that Netflix made was to put every episode of Black Mirror on at once. And because it's like an, an anthology series um, where each episode is, you know, its own separate universe, it would have been so nice for everyone to kind of get one for a week, watch that, you know, dissect it to shit, like talk about it for the whole week and then go and approach this new environment in the new episode. Instead, they released them all like bam, 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 bam. Everyone came them and then it just were like, whoa, vaguely had conversations where like, oh, do you see the new Black Mirror? Yeah, it was great without really going into it because there was just so much to go into. And that just that conversation got put to one side. And after, I feel like two weeks after it had gone out, there was no one really talking about it, which is very different from when it was being serialized on Channel 4. But this is where Netflix find themselves in a bind because their their whole ethos and they're then they're good about this is like is trying to it genuinely seems to be the case of them trying to put um, the the customer first really and it obviously stands to reason that if they've created all these episodes they've all been finished and um, like why wouldn't you drop them all at once why would you purposefully withhold them from people um, and that might feel like a weird decision but maybe that's that's what it's going to take. Maybe we, maybe we do need to impose some limits on ourselves to make us enjoy content, for want of a much better word, more. And that ties back into the whole cinema experience thing as well. Like, for some reason, something about going to the cinema and seeing a film does make you talk about it more. So I think it was a week, a week or two ago now, um, Netflix released this new original film, the Discovery um, with Jason Siegel and Rooney Mara. It seemed like a really, from the trailer, I've not seen it yet, but it looked like a really interesting concept. It's about um, a world where it's been scientifically proven that the afterlife exists and is great. <laughs> so everyone, well, a lot of people in the world start killing themselves to get there quicker. And this, it was, you know, a really interesting premise. And there was a lot of talk about it when it was at the trailer stage. And then it just, you know, Dropped dropped one Monday afternoon, and I didn't really see a huge amount of talk about it. So it's going to be interesting to see how films and TV going forward can still maintain that water cooler element um, and still have be these big pop culture phenomenon when they're being distributed and disseminated in a way that's very just kind of like oh, here it is. But I wanted to get um, an industry take on this, so I spoke to. Netflix's CEO, Reed Hastings, and Netflix's CCO, Chief Content Officer, Ted Sarandos, who are two very down-to-earth guys and very much say what's on their mind. And if Netflix has made a mistake, they're very happy to admit it and ultimately do seem passionate about it and just wanting everyone to have the best experience. So so I spoke to them um, recently. I only ended up recording it on my iPhone, so the audio is going to be a little bit patchy i'm afraid but hopefully you'll be able to make out everything being said um unfortunately i spoke to them before netflix rolled out this new rating system which you may have seen about this week so it used to be the case that um users could just rate stuff out five stars really standard very problematic of course because user ratings are always always a nightmare because people tend to either just give something five stars or they hate it and they give it like one star so you just get these very polarized scores which have some average that doesn't make any sense but at least they were kind of in being such a linear way of marking television, they were at least kind of like across across the board had like a flatness to them, which worked because what they've done instead now is introduce this thumbs up, thumbs down system that is almost like they literally likened it to like Tinder where you say yes or no to a film. And the idea being that it by algorithm then recommends what you should watch next. And I don't know how I feel about this. And 
it kind of makes sense. But then going back to, you know, what we're talking about serendipity on TV, it seems to go against that because it it decides, okay, so I watched House of Cards, The West Wing and a political documentary. I just happened to across one week because I've watched those and because maybe I've liked those, it's going to decide, right, this guy loves like political dramas and just recommend me a load of them when that's not, you know, that's not the case. And everyone has a wide taste and I think it's going to kind of pigeonhole people and put them into a, into a, like a, a groove of just watching this same kind of TV when really you want to be, and it's important to, for, you know, everyone to have, to experience the world in a wide way that you get all these different kinds of shows and films kind of put your way. So I don't know how I feel about that, but these are all these changes, we'll see how they, they pan out, but it was interesting to talk to the guys, and yeah, they have some good insight on it, so I hope you enjoy our chat, and I'll see you in two weeks' time for episode six. And if you have any thoughts on our, our topics today, and want to let us know how do you, interested to know how you consume TV and film, um, and where you think it's going to go, um, do please tweet us, or hit us up on Instagram, um, and yeah, take it easy. So um, I feel like I've spoken to enough of your talent now to know that when they say working with Netflix is really freeing, I actually actually believe them because they <laughs> either they they're sending that message or yeah. So I kind of wonder why why you're able to give people that freedom and why other places haven't done that in the past. Like you know when I'm if I'm hiring a reporter, I always want them to be doing what they want to do and following their nose. And you obviously feel the same way about when people create films and TV. It's worked so well for us as a company the freedom and responsibility model that we have as a company. Yeah. You know, give people the freedom to do what they do best and be responsible for the outcome. Um, and that, you know, especially when you're kind of create, creating things, like creating art, uh, it's not something that works better with a lot more hands in it. Mm. Um, so our, I really do feel like our, our key role is picking the stories and picking the storytellers and then creating an environment for them to do their best work. And then, but mostly stay out of their way. And we collaborate, but it's always an invited uh, collaboration, yeah, uh, and uh, you know, if we we want to, if we're, we can't really fix, if we make a bad choice, it's very difficult for us to fix it. We're not writers, we're not directors, uh, so. But I do think that there is a tendency around the industry uh, to insert value uh, by you know getting involved in things maybe you're not that really aren't your core strengths, yeah, um, and we try to avoid that the rest we can, just like we do with all of our employees. And if you're HBO or BBC and you've just got a few big shows. Yeah, um, you're really worried one of them might not go well. And our advantage in doing the internet television is we get to have many different shows, and so then any single risk, right, uh, is acceptable. And because across uh, the whole portfolio, some will be absolutely amazing from the freedom. Yeah, I suppose the times when they don't work out so well, they're not quite as visible as well. Is that fair to say? Well, you got like Marco Polo, and you know yeah. we gave it two seasons, and uh, so. Emlock Grove. Emlock Grove. We ended after three seasons, and so sometimes it doesn't work out as. It's, you know, there's some viewers, it just doesn't work out as well as we want relative to the costs. Yeah. And in the old model, once those shows get canceled, they they're gone forever as a sunk cost. People are still discovering Emlock Grove today on Netflix. Uh, they'll still watch Marco Polo for years yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. So the main thing I want to talk to you guys about, and not that you're able to predict this, is what the experience of consuming content will look like in, let's say, five years. I think I, I spoke to you, I think it was about four years ago. It was like a long time ago in terms of how fast everything's moved. Yeah. But at the, at the time you said that you, I think you said you thought that all traditionally scheduled programming will just be on demand. 
and TV will essentially just be the live stuff. Is that still how you think it's going to end up? Or? It seems like it. It seems like it's still going in that direction, would you say? Yeah, and the, you might have seen the BBC just announced that the big primetime shows, um, uh, the dramas, they're going to release them on iPlayer first um, and, uh, you know, for binge viewing and then uh, trickle out over linear. So they're pri- smartly prioritizing uh, the internet over. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Linear. Yeah. Even with live TV that I found though now that often if if Trump's doing a speech or something, I'll, I'll end up watching it because New York Times is doing a Facebook Live with it or something. So right. it could be that even even that crumbles away. You're seeing the live thing happen in your on your device. Yeah, as opposed to through a TV set. But yeah, it's feasible. It's interesting. You know, this week the the Oscars was such a big shocking moment that mm. happened on live TV and everyone saw it at the same time and. You reminded every once in a while that live TV, the collective experience of live TV is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, it's not great when you're watching a scripted series when you want to see the next episode and have to wait a week. Uh, but for to have that, 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 uh, that experience together is pretty interesting. I still have like a fondness for the, the waiting a week thing occasionally. I think you said before that you would like, you'd experiment with that and sometimes hold off. Or... Well, we have it going on now because when we premiere shows uh, around the world from the US networks, by way of example, or the yeah. other way around. Uh, you know, we're putting it out as the network is putting it out. Yeah. So I think uh, Designated Survivor, uh, Better Call Saul, where they're preparing yeah. in the, uh, uh, those episodes are coming out one a week in the UK. So that's but, by necessity. Would you ever do it by choice, yeah. do you think? No, I think our, our necessity that I don't want to have the entire country wait, uh, eight, you know, 13 weeks to see the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this way we can get, uh, close the gap between the US broadcast and local availability. Because I think, if you don't do that, the piracy grows and all those kind of things. So, yeah. So it meets a different need. And thinking about um, movies, so am I right in thinking you guys are starting to now look at doing kind of like simultaneous theatre releases alongside streaming? Or? Well, we've done some of that from the beginning, like Crouching Tiger yeah. and, and others. Um, so we, you're right that we're open to the movie theatres. Generally, they won't carry the movie if it's on Netflix at the same time. And... We're not open to delaying. Uh, Netflix members have paid for the film, and we want to make sure they get the first access. And then, yeah, and do you think, looking again to the future, that that, it will become more the case, though, that everything kind of can go out in streaming and in theatres, and then people can, like, consumers can have the choice of, okay, I want to see this in a theatre, or I'm happy to watch this? So, look, if you want to go out on Friday nights, nothing on Netflix competes with that experience of going out and getting out of the house and... Yeah. Sitting in, there, in a big chair and watching movies with, with a dark room with strangers. Uh, but if you just want to watch a movie, you know, nothing will make you want to, you know, put your shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> and we have great, you know, and the, like you said, the, the bigger thing is just the consumer choice. Uh, I think that movies can be bigger if people had more options when they could see them. So we, uh, having to wait five, six, seven months uh, to get access to a movie the way you watch it is probably not good for movies. Yeah. Um, having to wait three years in France is definitely not good for movies. 
So we're trying to make, we're, gonna, we're making these original movies and releasing them to Netflix first and we'll gladly put them in theaters at the same time if the theater owners will book them. Uh, but the idea is just not to make everybody wait uh, while you have this window where you're trying to kind of skim the market to put them out there. I think um, people always, you know, romanticize the theater experience, but I mean, I guess I, maybe I'm atypical, but obviously, I, you know, I, I, at home I like to have a setup with a projector, and for me it feels like being at the cinema, the only difference is you don't have the strangers there, which but personally doesn't bother me. So I guess it, that people's, like, it might erode as people's home tech gets better and it's less of a big, you've got more of you a cinema experience at home. The quality there, which yeah. is great, and certainly convenience is better at home, but especially with comedy and laughter, you know, it's a very social environment and, you know, you can get more out of it. Um, but again, we just want people to be able to choose. You know, the theater owners, uh, they're not uh, supporting that right now. Reed made a good point earlier. When, you know, when we make a movie like, Death, like, Death, like War Machine or Okja or Death Note, our, our members paid to make that movie. They paid their money <laughs> paid to make the movie. So holding it off from them for, you know, seven months or a year while we do a theatrical run doesn't seem doesn't seem right. Yeah. And um, the, the, the kind of rate you guys are expanding now in original content is, is, the, is the plan in mind to only be originals one day? Now the plan is really to work on customer satisfaction. So, uh, you know, you all pay your, your eight pounds and then it's up to us to use that money to buy the best possible content to create the most satisfaction for you. And so if that's doing uh, co-production, um, that's fine. If it's a pure original, if it's a licensed content, like a designated survivor. Um, so we want uh, to get as much customer satisfaction and viewing as we can. So it'll probably be a lot of original content, but we don't look at it philosophically that it should be at a certain level. Yeah, cool. All right, thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Have a good day. Thank you.